came to you with my heart in pieces. It found a God with healing in his hands. I turned to you, put everything behind me. Trusted you and stepped out on the ocean. You caught my hand among the waves, cause you're the God of all my days. Each step I take, you
Hallelujah, Lord. We thank you that you are our rock, our redeemer. You are the same yesterday, today, and forever. But you don't change. Hallelujah. Well, good morning. Snow days always reveal who are the real Christians. I'm just kidding. Total joke. Um, let me pray before we dive in. Jesus, thank you for our time here this morning. Thank you for the beauty of snow. And Lord, just reminds us of uh, your power and your, your wonder and your glory that exceeds our wildest imaginations, Lord. So we pray for our time as we go into your scriptures this morning, that you would open up our hearts to receive uh, the word that you have for us. And Lord, I pray that in my preparation I am accurately representing you and your word and your thoughts in your heart. And Lord, I want to pray for any in our congregation who are sick, who are struggling. Lord, um, still some have uh, of COVID and still wrestling through that. Some uh, still with, with chronic pain and, and other sicknesses. Lord, we think of um, even Joe this morning in our sanctuary who has a surprise uh, procedure Tuesday morning. Lord, we want to pray that you would be with them all this morning, Lord. You would be with Joe Tuesday morning with a procedure that he has. That you would bring quick recovery and steady hands to the doctors. And Lord, that you would heal those in our church, Lord, and sustain us through this uh, just very trying season. And so, Lord, we, uh, we invite you here this morning to just fill this place uh, as we continue on in our worship service to the preaching of your word. We love you so much. We pray this in your name. Amen. Well, it's good to be here. Good to be back. It's been uh, a while for me since I've been up here unexpectedly, but I'm happy to be here. Uh, I invite you guys to open up your Bibles to Matthew chapter 5. Verses 13 through 16, and as you are going there, I'm going to read the text for you. This is the word of the Lord. You are the salt of the earth, but if salt has lost its taste, how shall its saltiness be restored? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. You are the light of the world. A city set on the hill cannot be hidden. Nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. So this sermon is going to be about mission, looking outside into the community and understanding our role as uh, Christians in public life to a degree. You'll see there's a double-sided coin to this. Jesus, our master teacher, he gives us um, pretty broad statements here. Uh, if, if I'm honest, it was a, a strange sermon to develop because um, there's some occasions where Jesus, he teaches but doesn't give a lot of specifics, like here. What does he mean by salt? What does he mean by light? He doesn't completely say, which leads us to kind of do some in-between-the-line reading. 
Uh, but that's part of his master teacher, you know, uh, abilities, right? And his perfection is the God-man to give us something like this and say, hey, get to work. See if you can figure this one out. So this section of verses, um, to, to really do this, we have to kind of look at what came before and what comes after. It will help us to understand what we're looking at this morning. This section of verses, they come after the Beatitudes, which gave us a general summary of the kind of person that a Jesus follower should be. Not so much what you do, but rather a disposition as a Jesus follower internally, which inevitably leads to external actions. We could then expect that Jesus, uh, throughout the remainder of this sermon, is going to slowly point us towards how to live our lives as Jesus followers in heart and in actions and all that follows the Beatitudes. And so this section is kind of squeezed before the real fun stuff when Jesus goes into some hot topic kind of, you know, um, issues like uh, the law of Moses and, and, and anger and, and lust and divorce and revenge and a lot more. He gets specific in those areas. But these verses become kind of a stepping stone to get there. So the Beatitudes explaining our disposition and before these specific situations um, he gives us kind of a 30,000 view of the entirety of our Christian life, right? Which I think I can sum up as something along the lines of the effect of being a Jesus follower to our community. We become its salt, we become its light through our following Jesus while we rub shoulders with those in our community. So some questions we'll be working through this morning. What does it mean to be salt and light to the world? Living as missionaries for Jesus in our local community, what does that mean? Is it possible to think that we are being salt and light when in reality we are actually shaking out useless salt that is really no salt at all? And number three, how do we do so, how do we do all this without becoming unstained by the world? So, let's dive into verse 13. You are the salt of the earth, but if salt has lost its taste, how shall its saltiness be restored? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under Jesus' feet. Coming out of the Beatitudes, Jesus now shifts from the third person pronouns, blessed are, he's speaking, you know, more broad, but now he's right into the second person perspective, right? In other words, he's talking directly to the people sitting in front of him. We can safely say then, if this is God's word and the word you is mentioned, I don't think it's too much of a stretch to say, all right, I should wake up. Maybe Jesus is actually talking to me. And I would say, yes, he is. So if you're asleep, wake up. Jesus is talking to you this morning. He's addressing you and he's saying, you are the salt of the earth. What does that mean? Um, I did get COVID. I think you guys heard some of that, but I still can't taste anything. I miss salt. I put salt and realize, why don't I put salt? I still can't even taste it. But to think about what salt does to pretty much everything it touches is where we have to work here. Jesus here does not tell us exactly what he means by salt. He is a master teacher. We have to stop and think. So to begin this, we have to look back at first century Israel and try to think about them. If they heard the word salt, what would they have heard 
we got to put our minds the best we can into their mindset. What did salt do for them? What did it mean for them? Um, and I can say after doing this work of investigation here, it's not really, a whole lot's not changed in 2,000 years. Salt kind of remains similar in its uses today. One use of salt is that it preserves. If you salt raw meat, it will help in its preservation, preventing it from rapid decay. Of course, in a time of pre-refrigerators, that was extremely important. So it has a preserving function. Secondly, salt also brings out flavor to food. Every morning we eat a dozen or more eggs in our house. I can't wait till they're teenagers to see what number that becomes. But right now it's quite a lot. And I usually am the breakfast um, cook, almost a cooker. Cook. If I forget to put the salt on the eggs, my daughter Lydia, who's in the back here, always tells me, make sure to point it out, Dad, you missed the salt. Because salt brings out the best in our food. And once you put salt on your food, there's no picking it back out because it kind of permeates the food. It's tiny and it, and it spreads out over those scrambled eggs and there's no getting it back. It fills it up. And you are that for the world. Jesus' followers preserve the word, the world, and they, it brings out its best flavors as we then permeate the world. We'll get back to that in a minute. The next verse is a similar metaphor by Jesus to describe our work in this world. He says in verse 14, you are the light of the world. A city set on the hill cannot be hidden. Have you ever turned on a flashlight in a dark room? What does that light do? It gives off its glimmer throughout the whole room. There's not a corner of the room that is unaffected by the lights. Just uh, uh, two nights ago, we've been having a lot of fires in our fireplaces of recent. And one night, I forget what, what, which one of my kids were with me, but we turned off the light as the um, downstairs. It was nighttime. The fireplace was going. Of course, the whole room, you see the, the flames kind of dancing off of the walls, right? And giving that, that cozy feel. But the light, it filled the room. There was not a corner that was unaffected. Similarly speaking, a city set on the hill cannot be hidden. And when he was teaching this, Jesus was at the shores of Galilee, surrounded by pretty tall hills, not really mountains per se, but pretty tall hills. And there's, there was a, a series of cities on these hills that, you know, if you go there today, you can still see these places. And as he's teaching this, presumably, he would have been pointing towards these cities. As he says, see that city on the hill? You going to hide that? You can't hide that city sitting on an exposed hill, right? It's right out in the open. Because light in a city in the hill, they can't hide it because it's thrust out into the open. Thus, so far, if you travel with us, we, we are saying that salt permeates and preserves our food. It adds flavor. And then light, just like salt does also, it permeates what it touches. A dark room, light permeates. And if you are to read yourself into these metaphors, this is talking about you as a Jesus follower. You are the salt of the world and you are the light of the world. They're very similar metaphors. We'll talk about the, the judgment portion at the end, which is pretty uh, tough words from our Lord. But let's stick with these two and break these two metaphors down here. The question now that tugs us is, all right, all right, so what's the nitty gritty here? Like, you know, I want to know what to do. What does it mean to be salt? What does it mean to be light? What do, what do we do here? So let's walk through this. First off, I think the foundation we can build here is it is an active Christian life. 
Our city, the city here of Wilmington and the surrounding areas, needs active Christians in its life. This is a reference to public life, a life lived out in the open. The city of Wilmington, surrounding areas, needs active Christians participating in what is going on out there in community organizations, uh, city and coffee shops, walking in parks and striking up conversations, befriending people. The city of Wilmington needs Christians that open mic nights and coffee shops. Can't wait to do that again when time is, you know, COVID is over and all that. To be regulars at restaurants, etc. We need Christians to permeate the city, like salt permeates our eggs in the morning, like like light that fills that dark room. And of course, the frustrating part of saying that is it's a pandemic, right? Not many of us feel totally comfortable doing a lot of those things these days. I know, trust me. Um, But we can look at this time. It's kind of a time of preparation, okay, to really develop an understanding of what it means to do that. So when the time is right, we can go out, but there's still some creative options before us, even in this time of COVID. But there's a series of, of careful questions I want to now proceed to. Because as I am call, as a word calls us to permeate this city and permeate our neighborhoods and this, all the surrounding areas, especially where you live, I want Emmanuel to be, I want you to picture this church turned upside down to a salt shaker and it just kind of shaking out the gospel salt all over, right? That's what I want Emmanuel to be, shaking the gospel of Jesus all over the city through word and through deed. Post-COVID world will come. It's a real thing in our imagination somewhere in there. But it, it will come and opportunities will present themselves in that day. But right now I want to ask this question. Um, to, to kind of help guide us along this way. Um, much of the Christian life, as we, we, you know, I want to develop, help develop an understanding of how to do this, how to mingle, uh, how to be out in the world, but not really um, be uh, uh, corrupted or, or stained by the world. Okay, uh, again, I'm trying to do some kind of stepping stone questions to develop, if you will, a theology of mission, of outreach, of community with some challenges at the end here. But how do we, how do we go out there and remain unstained, right? How do we go out there as lights and salts of the world, still remaining a Jesus follower and being unaffected by the world? John chapter 17 is a famous portion in the high priestly prayer. Jesus kind of gives us an answer to this. He says, I have given them your word. He's praying to the Father in the Garden of Gethsemane. He says, the world has hated them because they are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. But I do not ask that you take them out of the world that you keep them from the evil one. They are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. Sanctify them in your truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, so I have sent them into the world. And for their sake, I consecrate myself, that they also may be sanctified. That was John 17, 14 through 19. So according to our Lord Jesus, we are to be in the world, but not of the world. We are light to the world, we are salt to the earth, but however, we do so as a distinct people, still separate, but in the world. There's not an easy playbook to do this. It's tricky, it takes wisdom, it takes prayer, it takes guidance on our end as Christians knowing what is wise for us 
to participate in? What situations will be wise for us as Emmanuel Church to engage in our duty to be this salt shaker to Wilmington? Now, I think there's two mistakes here as we wrestle with this question, right? Be in the world, not of the world. There's, there's, there's two mistakes we can make. And I've seen the first one quite often, actually. The first mistake we can make is to say, you know what, I, I might, you know, go out there a little bit, but, um, you know, the world's going to burn anyway. So, I don't know, why don't we just wait and ride out the train? It's, it's crashing, you know, the train is coming you know, off the ledges here, and we're just going to ride it out. I'm going to kind of go over here, and it's going to burn over here, and I'm just going to kind of, like, leave. It's called escapism, Right? I've seen, um, and people get the apocalyptic scriptures, you know, the world will end and world's going to burn in Isaiah 66 and John chapter, or Revelation 20 and there's, you know, Matthew 24, there's indications to these things, right? And so then they say, well, that's fine. Um, so, uh, you know, uh, if the world's going to burn, then why do I need to be out there anyway, right? Escapism is escaping from obedience. And that's very clear. I'm going to say it again. Escapism is escaping from obedience, Jesus told you to go out there, right? He told you to turn this church into a salt shaker over our community. And any excuse that you can kind of like squirm your way out of to not do that is disobedience. We will end the other, with the other portion of, of judgment here, but I'll get, that to, um, get back to that at the end of our time today. So the first mistake is escapism of being in but not other world. The second we can make is joining ourselves a little too much with the world. Sometimes it's, an, it's a very obvious error when we do this, when we just kind of allow the, the certain values and characteristics of society that are nothing to do with Christ begin overtaking us, and we find ourselves, you know, slowly kind of aligning more and more with things that are not of Christ at all. Other times it gets tricky when we get Christianity, we try to sync it up with values that are not, they have never been found in orthodox historic Christianity, but we start picking, cherry picking Bible verses to kind of justify our sin, and we can call that the fancy word is uh, syncretism, trying to sync Jesus up with things that are not Jesus and trying to somehow put that together. That's what Israel did all throughout the Old Testament. And this is a harder thing to navigate. And I'm trying to bring up tension to you guys. I'm trying to hopefully, on this sleepy, snowy morning, make you think about these things. Yeah, like, how do we do this? This is kind of hard, right? It takes careful walk, uh, careful prayer, careful thinking as we are um, called to obedience in this area. So as we uh, address some of the trickiness of this now, I want to go back to the actual role of this as we make that balancing act of, all right, so be out in the world, be in, but not of. Okay, Jesus, we're going we're gonna to walk this with wisdom, walk this carefully. So now what, what work are we doing as we're making that balance? What's the actual work of spreading that salt out? What does that look like? Let's go back to preservation, the role of salts, uh, salt being one of preservation. Salt doesn't just add flavor, but it preserves also, we talked about how light exposes the darkness in the room, right? It, it fills it. So light exposes falsehood. And light also shines light on truth, Psalm 37, 6 says. I think, I'm no, I don't claim to be some kind of a prophet or something, but I don't know. I'm looking around at our current society, and I, and I see continued destabilizing forces that seem to amplify as the years 
go by. I do believe that we will see some collapses in portions of our society. Uh, you can look at history when, uh, in, in more ancient times when civilizations started mirroring some of what we see today in ours. It was followed by some collapses. And I think in our generation we'll see some things happen like that. But if we are to be salt to our community, um, we also need as Jesus followers, as Christians and as a local church, be a body of people who are actively trying to preserve our society. I am not saying we go out and try to win the war on the public level of, you know, Christian values and all of that. I hate to tell you, but that's kind of already lost, right? We had just be, embrace the reality, okay? But there's a different act of preservation that we can be doing. This is what I mean. If you wanted to keep raw meat preserved in Christ's day, it would need salt. And our, as our society continues to fall into more rawness, we expect decay to follow unless salt somewhere is found to preserve it. I won't go into the long history, but the European monasteries unexpected institution to do something like this, but in the 5th and 6th centuries when Roman society was collapsing in Western Europe, society was collapsing along with it. The economy, basic things like farming, practices, education, schooling, the roads were collapsing. Everything was falling into what we call the Dark Ages. Christians rose up to the task of preserving society through the building of monasteries. They were the ones who preserved education, true education. They were the ones who started copying the Bible so scriptures would not be lost. They were the ones that were preserving Orthodox Christian teachings on, on family, on marriage, on all these things that when Rome collapsed, it collapsed with it. And they were the ones that held on to those truths and preserved them and in essence helped to, to preserve civilization until centuries later, the Renaissance period came, and all of the work came to fruition through almost a rebirth of civilization. So I think that we are entering, if you hear my line of arguing here, a similar time period. I really do think there's a, a new kind of dark ages that's already among us that is coming, and I think as the church, we need to pick up this role of preservation as the salt of the earth and really consider what that means. What are we preserving? Now, I want to go through a list here of things that, um, and my list kept expanding, but these are things that the Christian church needs to actively consider, I mean, really get serious about preserving. Because if you don't get serious about preserving these things, I'm going to read off here. I'm telling you, they are just flying away, disappearing, rapidly vanishing all around us. And somebody needs to pick this up for the sake of human flourishing, the sake of the gospel, to preserve it. Things like stable, Christ-centered male and female marriages. In a day where marriages are falling apart everywhere, we need a group of men and women preserving that ancient God-given institution of male and female marriage. And one of my favorites, having children and training them up in Christ and not complaining about children or pushing into the periphery as if they are obstacles to your life, but rather looking at them as rewards and blessings. Not being, able, not being afraid, if you're able, to have large families. That's one of the best ways of Christian dissidents. Have tons of kids if you can. 
continually becoming fluent in the scriptures and even in church history, preserving the elements of our faith and belief that began in Christ and have continued unbroken for thousands of years. Learning to freely talk about Jesus, not being afraid of your identity in Christ as we serve our neighbors, living unashamedly as Christians. Creating things of true beauty for our culture, promoting stories and events of redemption, of a salvation and of goodness, things that point people to the gospel story. Strengthening our own congregational life, learning to continually make this church family be our family that we live life with, that we are dependent on. Being people of both truth and grace, unleashing undeserved grace on those who need it, and preserving truth to a world of scattered and lost truth. Being a truly diverse group of people cultivating a family of all nations, people, tribes, and colors and languages that are found in the community that surrounds us. Not playing the us versus them game of our current society. We'll talk about that more in a minute. Learning to be a distinct people in the midst of this world, a stable and loving Jesus family of people that when things continue to disintegrate around us culturally, that we are standing firm and we are not. That is a kind of world that the salt, the, the kind of salt that the world needs right now, that kind of preserving salt. And now I want to go to the next question. What are the ways that we might be shaking out what we think is salt? We want to do this now mission work. We want to say, all right, now, you know, we're preserving, yes. We're also called to go out in and out of the world. We we know this. So what if we get out there and we're trying to spread salt around, but we realize, or maybe don't realize it, what you're spreading is not actually the salt of Christ. Um, That we're actually spreading things that are worthy to be tossed aside and trampled on. It's not only about us being out in the community, but ensuring that the gospel that we're bringing out, that the salt and the light that we're bringing out to the community is truly the salt and light of Christ and not some muddled or polluted or weakened um, uh, shallow salt. We must ensure that we are not dropping the salt of things like political partisanship around us, but rather the salt of the gospel. Our work is really cut out for us in this area. Our faith is to be taken with joy, but you can see that these present us great challenges. We need prayer more than ever. We need to pray for a fresh filling of the Spirit more than ever. The salt and light of Christ is desperately needed to be shaken all over our city and shined all around. And the question for you and I uh, is really twofold, is are you going to be the salt and light for Wilmington and the surrounding area? And is the salt that you're spreading truly the salt in light of Christ. Um, I, I know, you know, the Sermon on the Mount is going to bring out some hard conversations, and I don't want to just be hard for hard's sake, but I want to be, you know, try to be honest in this area, simply because, as we'll see at the end of the sermon, Jesus pronounces judgment if we screw this up, right? If he says, if you, if your salt is, is not salty, I'm going to throw it on the side of the road like garbage, So I think we need to take this seriously as we work through this. What kind of salt are we spreading? I don't want to be spreading the wrong salt and find Emmanuel or me or you in judgment for this. 
I want to read these verses one more time. You are the salt of the earth, but as salt has lost its taste, how shall its saltiness be restored? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown and trampled under people's feet. Um, I don't know if you ever chewed gum to the point of exhaustion till there's nothing left and it's like just kind of falling apart in your mouth, right? You know any interstate? I don't know if this is littering or not, but I, th- I chunk it out of the window. Is that littering? I don't know. But that's the idea here, right? It, it, if salt loses its function, well, you just flick it out of the window, right? Just like that old piece of chewed gum or like the one morning that um, we were eating our oatmeal over breakfast and we all kind of looked at one another and Alex and I first locked eyes and we were just thinking, this tastes strange. And to realize that in our spice cabinet, the uh, cumin spice was right next to our cinnamon spice. So as we thought we were pouring flavorful cinnamon into our oatmeal, we, I think it was, I can't remember who did it. I blame her, of course, but just kidding. (laughs) One of us, you know, we take turns cooking this stuff every morning. Um, We had some cumin oatmeal. So as we were eating, you know, I I instantly had my my veteran father in me that said, all right, if I vocally complain about this, my kids will not touch this oatmeal. So I locked eyes with Alex. We laughed because it tasted horrible. But I'm like, you know what? I want to eat this. My kids want to eat it, you know, and I did end up complaining. Nobody ate it, you know. So the idea was, what happened to that oatmeal? It wasn't good for eating. It was tossed to the side. Now, I I tried to figure out how how can I speak directly to our current age, and I want to maybe, hopefully, this will make sense to you. I think if we want to really shake out the salt of Christ, we have to make sure that we are not living um, uh, uh, it's, it's not a time to be pro-Christian. It's a time to be Christ-like. I want you to think about what I mean by that. If we're to be pouring out the salt of Christ in, in 21st century, 2021 America, we do not need to be so much pro-Christian as we need to be Christ-like. To be a salt shaker and light for Wilmington does not make uh, it does not mean to become pro-Christian because pro-Christian is simply is, is playing into, and I see this happening a lot, and I'm also guilty of this at times as well, and it can be confusing thinking that I'm doing some kind of mission work, but to, to be pro-Christian just means that you are going to war to defend our Christian values and beliefs. It's taking a stance of stuff that is not pro-Christian, and I'm telling you, that kind of disposition, I didn't see that in the Beatitudes. And that will not taste good to Wilmington. That will not taste very good to the city. That is only playing that us and them game of our society. That is only trying to, you know, we're shaking cumin in Wilmington's oatmeal, right? And maybe they're looking to us for cinnamon right now. Everyone is pro-something right now, and to be pro-something means you are ready to fight against whatever's against you. Being pro-something means that you must define yourself by what you are not. It's a posture of self-defense. This is not a time for Christians to buckle down and be pro-Christian. It's a time to be Christ-like. I'm going to say it again. It is a time to be Christ-like. 
Ah, to be Christ-like is to be focused on mission, evangelism, being out there in our community, rubbing shoulders with, with those around us, living this, this loving, love God and love neighbor way of life, being truthful, yet being gracious according to each circumstance while sharing the good news and showing the good news of Jesus Christ to all that surround us. Don't take the Bible as a sword and start slashing it, thinking that you're doing his work, right? Slashing it around at others. No, Christ's likeness is to shake out the salt of the gospel through loving God and loving our neighbor by going out there into the community and preserving what we are doing here to be stable, just like Jesus did, while he did so in remaining unstable to this world. So being pro-Christian is kind of like filling up a salt shaker with pepper. We don't want to do that. People, I think, right? There's, there's, there's people who uh, aren't Christian, but they know what this thing teaches. They know what Jesus says. And sometimes they see the actions of Christians and they say, really? I don't know. I read Jesus and I see different things. Like what? Why are you yelling at me right now? Why are you posting that just spewing just hatred on your social media feed? Like what is going on here? I didn't see Jesus doing those things. I think they're expecting a little more from us sometimes. I could preach so much more. I got to close out this sermon here in a few minutes. Jesus ends this with judgment. Um, If if we are to be the salt shaker and the lampstand from Wilmington, we need to do so. Oh, before a judgment, there's one part I also missed here. Um, As we do this salt shaking work of Christ's likeness, there's a good uh, indicator Okay, that makes sure that we are doing work that reflects Christ. You know what the indicator is? And he mentions it at the end here. That when people see the work of Emmanuel Church, that Emmanuel does not get the glory. But Jesus gets the glory. When people see the work and ministry of Emmanuel, they aren't saying, wow, look at that personality or that person or this or that. They say, wow, look at Jesus working in that church. We are to let our light shine before others, not that we receive the glory but that they see our good works and give glory to the Father who is in heaven. It's not a sin for others to to, to see what we do as long as Jesus is the one seen doing it. That is how, I think, is a good litmus test if we are, quote-unquote, succeeding in this. Are people seeing Jesus working or Emmanuel working? Who is getting the glory from all this salt-shaking work, this lampstand of our church? Is it Christ? So I'm going to close here with four questions. When I'm done, I'm going to call up Dino, who's going to come and lead us in communion. Um, if you didn't get communion elements at this time, um, just kind of lift your hand and, and Bernie could, could bring it to you if you didn't get one on the way in. But here's four application questions as we close. Just kind of a, a summary of the things we've gone over this morning. More than ever, our nation needs the salt and light of stable families, stable marriages, stable parenting, stable friendships, Christ-centered homes. If you're a grandparent this morning, my challenge to you is how are you investing the love of the gospel into your family, into your children, into your grandchildren? If you are a parent this morning, are you intentionally cultivating the aroma of Christ in your family? 
If you're married this morning, are you spending time talking about Scripture together, praying together, being vulnerable with one another, cultivating Jesus to one another? If you are not yet married, are you in your friendship network around you, are you representing Jesus in your love and your care for your friends? If you're a teenager here this morning, are you doing the same with your friends around you and your family that surrounds you? Jesus said not to hide your light underneath a basket. I keep thinking of a, of a Home Depot bucket, right? Don't put that Home Depot bucket over your lamp, all right? When is the last time you shared the gospel with someone? How can you let your light shine in such a way that, like Jesus said, it is not you who gets the glory, but rather God? Number three, are you more pro-Christian than Christ-like? Are you more concerned about, do you think that pouring salt out is about defending Christian values rather than living out Christian values? How can we be sure that the salt we are spreading is really the salt of Christ? And number four, last but not least, and there's the judgment, Jesus said he will bring judgment to those who have lost their saltiness. He told Revelation, the church in Revelation, he said, if you don't stop this, these shenanigans going on in your churches, I will take away your lampstand if you do not repent. I do not want to see this church or the church down the street or the church lose our lampstand in 2021. I don't want to see us tossed to the side in God's work here on earth. I want our church to be in the middle of God's work in 2021. I want to really try to insert ourselves right in the middle of God's work and know that balance of being in but not being of, have a strong and spiritually strengthened church as we are going out into the community because in 2021, that is what our world needs. Emmanuel, can we take up this call to be salt and light to this city? Let me pray as Dino calls to lead us in communion. Jesus, we thank you for your word. It is a challenge, Lord. I could have preached, oh, I called out so many things I wanted to say, but Lord, you're, all what follows, you're gonna continue to define for us what this life looks like, how we live this life, and all the, the difficulties of, of, in, in our lives and marriages and this and that. And So there's a lot more work to do ahead of us, but Lord, as we work through this Sermon on the Mount, would you allow us to be challenged? Would you not... Uh, uh, um, let us build up walls to kind of hear this and say, oh, great, but that doesn't include me and my life situation. I can't do this stuff. Not right now, maybe later. No, Lord, don't let us fall into justifying disobedience, Lord. America needs the gospel. Wilmington needs the gospel. They need a church like Emmanuel to be out there and they need us to be strong here. May we engage that work. Holy Spirit, we, we ask you to, to fill us right now for these special and unique times that we find ourselves in. We love you, Jesus. You promised you would never leave us nor forsake us for the work that's ahead of us. And so, Lord, be with us in every step of the way. Pray for wisdom as Emmanuel Church, Lord, in this time of pandemic and as it gets warmer out, uh, when we can think about going back out to the community and, and reaching out to the community, we ask for wisdom on how we can do so, Lord, in the most meaningful and impactful way for the gospel and in such a way that we don't receive the glory, but we are just making Jesus famous around us. We love you. We pray this in your good name. Amen.